Thank you for listening to Mailbox Money, your guided tour through safe, sacred, and speculative investing with a plan and a purpose to do more good with newfound peace of mind. All right, everybody, welcome back to another episode of Mailbox Money. Every week I say I'm excited, uh, but this this episode is a little bit different. It hits a little bit different, a little bit closer to home. Um, we're going to be talking about a question that we get asked all the time from every client. Um, how do we invest for our kids? What do we do? And there are dozens of strategies, of funds, of best practices, of account types, um, and it seems like there's a lot of confusion in the industry around something that is very near and dear to our hearts because we have kids, but something that we find really fun. And so what we're going to do in this episode is simply open up the playbook, show you exactly what we have done for our own kids. And instead of investing for them, we're going to tell you why we and Ryan has coined the term investing with your kids. Hey, well, you're catching up to me fast. Between the two of us, we've got eight of them from college to diapers. So we got all the bases covered. If you are a young family, that's right. want to share this with a young family in your world, we have three generations of a few families that we are truly blessed to serve. So we have seen and done it all. We're going to share with you what has lasted longest, what has been the most profoundly helpful, inspiring, not just for the investment results, but the real magic here I've found in investing with my kids is how much I'm learning. Um, they've taken me down a few rabbit holes, which we'll get into, that I would have never tripped into without them. I hope you and I have given a few tips to them as well, but we probably won't hear about that for a couple of decades. Then, then we might get a little smarter as they age, which I've, which I've found uh, and, and continue to smile at. I want to start though with a little personal story because when I look back and try to rewind the tape, I mean, they don't give you a playbook when you're walking out of that hospital with your first kid. <laughs> I was so scared. I didn't know how to do it. I really never got the swaddling technique down. Um, I'm only good at a few things. Thankfully, this is one of them. So I, I had to wait a few so they would listen. Um, my wife handled the, the real heavy lifting, um, and I do think, and I know you agree, the most important part of any plan is who you're with. So that's a constant theme, but it's that's true. Right. Um, the supper table talks is step one, and to me, the biggest, most important, longest lasting piece of this puzzle, to just be talking about this stuff at all, in any way, you don't have to read books, you don't have to be an expert. If you are simply talking about what you know to believe is true and is good about capitalism and a business, even if you're not a stock market expert, that conversation um, is what really makes the imprint in those little minds. I didn't know exactly what my dad did. I didn't know how little money he had. But I do remember some stories that stick out. And you know, he, he grew up dirt poor on a farm in the middle of Texas, 110 degrees, started chopping cotton at eight years old, 10 cents a row, 
See the stuff that I remember? Like, you know, I, yeah, right. Um, it would take him a big, long, sweaty day, he said, to maybe do eight rows. He to went into town days. after seeing his buddies who lived in town. Their parents probably did a little bit better, had a little bit more money, and they would buy. And he vividly recalled a piece of candy and a Coke for 15 cents without thinking about it. Understandably, they're kids. Our kids like to buy stuff. He said he always had to ask himself one question. Is that worth one and a half rows of chopping cotton? If there was only some sort of app on our screens and phones for our kids to ask themselves that question before every purchase, that is up to us. We don't all have the advantage of discomfort, and I truly believe it is. Coming from that background, I believe, is a tremendous advantage of wanting to work your tail off and then do well saving and investing because you know how much it means. You know how hard it was. It is up to us to talk about work and saving lovingly that way, no matter what the amount is. It doesn't matter how much you have to start. Um, I said in the book where some of our friends wrote a chapter each and described how you and I think about this topic. I said the greatest trick the devil ever played is making investors think it's the investing part that matters most when we believe it's the work part. So sitting at those supper tables, talking about your craft, your work, and them knowing, they see it. They see how hard you work, how much you may love your craft if you're really lucky. And if you don't, my first suggestion, step one would be to invest in yourself first, to find that craft so that they can learn that lesson first. And then they might want to start working and earning money at a very young age, which I think is the most important part about investing. Not giving them money to invest, but teaching them how important it is to earn it because I think they're going to take care of it a lot differently if they do. Now, I think this is an important uh, discussion because one of the challenges that I've with my young kids have already realized is getting them to value uh, the dollar or, or you know the cost of something you pushing them in the shopping cart through the aisles and they see a toy you know and they, they want they ask for a toy and it's 12 bucks you know it's it's there's a disconnect there but if you can tie in that hard work I remember my first paycheck as my job I cleaned bathrooms for the public park department of Murray City in Utah. And it took my entire paycheck to fill my truck up with gas. And all I used my truck for was driving to work. And, uh, you know, I think for the next nine weeks of the summer, I rode my bike to work um, because I didn't want to spend all my money. But you got to make that connection and, and really kind of teach that, that hard work and, and value the dollar because then you treat those dollars as sacred money and you're really diligent with where you put them and what you spend the money on. I have to ask, did your dad buy very many Cokes? I mean, how many, you know, or was he the one that was, you know, saving the money in the piggy bank and taking it to the, eventually get a CD at the bank? He, he, he's not a big Coke drinker or candy eater <laughs> to this day. I stopped him in his tracks. Yeah. Um, th those, those supper table talks, when I rewound the tape, um, were the most important. And I didn't see him in the morning because he left at 5 a.m., still kept farmer's hours. Um, and I think about that when, when we're tired after a long day. 
you know, I think about, I always ask myself, who's getting the best of you? Make sure it's your family first, whatever that has to mean. But you got to bring a relentless enthusiasm to that table because they listen and hear everything, the body language. It's so easy to talk about news or politics or what's wrong. And, and there's a, an unbelievable, exponentially growing, frankly, digital table of topics to talk about what's going wrong. If you can catch yourself and every single time there's a problem, talk about the greatest track record in the history of the world solving a problem is capitalism. Well, who's going to fix that? And then just be quiet. Let them start talking. How do you think that might change? Um, that, if that, if that's going to be their lens, however they hear you, and it's either going to be complaining or wondering and curious. And I've always thought curiosity beats conviction every single time. The, the second step is as long as you're there and you've piqued even their interest just a little bit in what capitalism means, and it doesn't have to be when they're old and can talk about this like in school. I, I think this supper table talk and this talk about how to invest with your kids, frankly, can be worth more than college that you're saving for is going to cost. I really do believe that. So when they're talking about the store they went to or waiting in line at the gas station, flip it around. Who owns it? Is there a way to maybe benefit from that long line that you and mom were stuck in? Those conversations start those wheels turning. And my favorite riddle then to ask them at some point, and it, and the, it doesn't have to be an age. I've got the, the way this lands funniest, frankly, and, and what you where you might learn the most is do it with a wide variety of ages. Because the riddle that I'm about to share I actually think is the hardest question that a professional money manager doesn't even ask themselves enough. And I believe the few answers to this question is what has led to the by far and away best performing portfolios in history for 200 years. And we're talking about now sacred investing. So if we start with the bare basics, they're going to hear about all their friends and technology and all the game changers. And they're going to read about all these people getting rich and innovation and unicorns and all that exciting stuff. And I don't take anything away from that. We'll talk about speculation here in a minute. But the sacred money, where you got to start at any age, I don't care if it's $100 or $100 million, we believe that you have to have sacred money that can pay you while you sleep, whether it be to dream of new stuff or to get up early and work hard for it. The riddle is this. Each of you name one business that will still be in the same business 10 years from now. It's, and let those kids start talking and sit back and start listening. Don't butt in, don't correct. At the end, you can kind of sort of nudge and share with you. And most of those answers that they might not think about right away are hiding in plain sight. It may be in the pantry that was still in the pantry of your grandmother. Yeah. Um, Sorry, no, not to interrupt. It's such a profound question. And from framing that the question that way, you get some of the best companies in existence that have ever existed or will continue to exist. And, and I think I just want to emphasize how profound that question is because we're stuck chasing game changers, right? We're stuck chasing innovation. We're stuck chasing something that's disruptive. And there's all of these buzzwords. 
but when you're starting out and you're building a sacred portfolio, the question is much more simple. And to me, that's a big sigh of relief, right? Because it's such a profound, easy thing to do, but it turns out to be a very powerful, long-lasting cornerstone of a portfolio. And these companies that have been around 50, 100 plus years for really good reasons, we call them game unchangers, and they are harder to find than game changers. There are fewer of them. So that riddle, that challenge, is accidentally one of the simplest questions that you could ask a kid to the most sophisticated investor question. Who has that big of an advantage with that few of competitors that they could maintain and extend that for decades? When that happens, you're more than likely to be getting paid more while you sleep every year in the form of rising dividends. So that sacred money, we've always said, should unlock the peace of mind, the freedom, the creativity to then go speculate. Most folks, especially younger, if you make the mistake of wanting to be aggressive early, you got time on your side, you're told, go buy, be aggressive. That's great. And I'm not disagreeing with that. I think first things first, though. If you at least start talking about the mailbox money, the sacred money first, then speculate. And this is where it really gets fun of investing with your kids. Don't tell them, ask them. Common theme here, right? Peter Lynch, one of my favorite stock pickers of all time, would say he'd follow his three daughters to the mall. Now, it's probably more like follow your kids to the couch and see what app they're going on and see what they're doing. On the iPad, um, yeah. I have, with my kids are just a little bit further down the road, scary digital roads than yours, Jackson. And, and the one that sticks most out to me, if we remain open-minded and humble, and this is the hardest part, by the way, when you get to a point when you're a parent and everybody's screaming about the same problem, you probably tripped across your next billion dollar industry, by the way. Right. <laughs> There's a for you. When, when all parents are screaming about the same problem, so if, if, if nothing more than just a little hedge, if you hate some app on your daughter's phone or put $10 in it, just, just in case she's right, <laughs> um, that, that has worked extremely well for me. The one that sticks out to me the most, we did a long blog post on the website about it, is I, I could not stand all of these kids playing video games and wasting their time. And I'm gonna make a real long story short, although you can go, it's a three-part series on our site. We spent two years learning all of the things that I was missing. And I forced myself to go meet them where they were, ask questions. It was a mind-blowing experience, and it is a lot more than a video game. It is a community, it is a place, and it's how they communicate, and it's how they hang out now with a whole lot of other effects and, and knock on second order thoughts and industries from that. But that was a clue. That was a signal. I went all the way just because I was so curious. This is the part that I don't recommend to anybody. But if you want a trusted guide, you can tap into all the stuff we've already done for you. Not everybody's this nerdy down the rabbit hole. I went to go see the first university who offered a fully scholarship varsity sports or esports, and just sat back and listened. And I was blown away about what else is going on and where those kids end up and the synapses they're firing differently. They don't end up all playing video games sitting on the couch forever. They are leading some of the most creative industries 
um, one of our favorite CEOs of all time, gives away video games to his employees because of the different creative channels that it fires up. I, I would just say, and I think Walt Disney said it best, speaking of where some people like to start with investing with their kids, when you are curious, you find lots of interesting things to do. Watch what they're doing. Listen to them. You might make more money investing with your kids than trying to save for them if you follow them down the road. And so for me, every one of my five kids has their sacred money, their mailbox money, but they also have their own choice after a conversation. And it, they might not know the name of the company yet, but they know they like an industry. One of mine is wants to be a veterinarian and is a pet fanatic that has cost me a considerable fortune <laughs> keeping up with her. Yep. Well, so she has that industry, just a couple of bucks. My hope is that doing it that way on the speculation at least leads to more conversations. Because to me, the more supper table talks wins. So I love this entire concept and I just, I like the idea of framing this. So, you know, at, this, at the supper table, you're able to teach the value of hard work and the value of money and you can allocate some of that hard-earned money, whether you give it to them as allowance after they're doing their chores or if it's your first job at 16, you know, pressure washing bathrooms. You know, you build this sacred portfolio of companies that are gonna be there for you in your sacred sleeve, gonna be there probably from the time they first buy the stocks in your account or you buy it for them until they're cashing out dividends in their own retirement. But then after that, it unlocks the ability to take some of those hard-earned dollars and allocate it into things that you consider more fun, perhaps, or more innovative or, or more cutting edge. But you're hedged in the sense of, you know, some of those companies are much more aggressive to invest in and perhaps may not do as well or may struggle or may get, you know, outdone by another company and provide really good upside opportunity. But the portfolio is protected and your, your hard-earned money is protected by the sacred investments and the safe investments. And you structure this beautifully as an educational kind of journey that, that kids can go on. And, and in fact, I think the parents um, can even learn about, learn, you know, learn just as much from this entire practice or exercise as the kids themselves. And I just think back and I'm excited. My kids are now getting into the age where we can start doing this and I can kind of start having these conversations. I know that the stocks that my son Elliot will immediately want to buy um, as soon as he connects the dots of who makes all his Power Ranger toys. Um, but it, it's really just kind of a fun exercise and it teaches a really, well, not just a single lesson, but lots of important lessons. And I think that that is profound. And I like what you said, if, if, if done right, it can be more worth more than the college degree that you're saving for, because this is this is something that, frankly, they don't teach in college. I mean, I, I have two degrees, and I never learned any of this um, in business school or, you know, before that. So I, I think that we can't emphasize that enough and how important and life-changing this can be. It's and a simple one, one common thread to all three of those first steps, the supper table talks, the sacred business riddle, and then how to speculate with them is skin in the game. Like learning that part, too. Like you said, I, I do have a power washer. We do have a lemonade stand entrepreneur, but they got to have real business talks too. You know, revenues from a lemonade stand are not your earnings. That's right. Not my house. We're going to talk about cost of goods sold. We're going to talk yeah. about branding. We're talk 
we're talking about not stiffing your coworker, little brother, <laughs> and, and how to buy somebody out. Um, those little conversations, like you just said, um, can be more valuable than some of these educations that we're saving up for, including the bad stuff, including if one of your great investment ideas blows up and you lose $10 or $100 or that. Walt Disney also said a good hard failure when you're young is invaluable. I mean, he didn't start out with Mickey. I have in my office a stuffed animal of the ugliest creature you've ever seen that 95 years ago, his first sketch was Oswald the Lucky Rabbit. And it doesn't look like a rabbit, by the way. Um, That's right. I think Mickey before being Mickey was Mortimer or something like that. It took him a while. Yeah. A good hard failure when you're young is invaluable. Um, so then step four is really the timeless steps and some of the nuts and bolts um, of actually how we will logistically do this. And I'll, again, I'll just speak for myself like you. And I do want just to make this fun because we're always willing to answer questions and comments. Jackson will give the email here before we're out in here a couple minutes, but um, we're an open playbook and we were fortunate, good friend asked us to write this chapter I was mentioning earlier in this book, very appropriately titled, exactly how we invest our money. Um, the best kid investing story that we get in an email, I would be delighted to send you a book from us as a prize. The top three we're going to read in an upcoming family stuff episode. And that's what this section is going to be called. There's all sorts of family stuff. It ain't easy. But it's important. And we're going to talk about it. We're going to share from experiences um, that we're lucky to have. I would be delighted to send that book to the best kid investing story. It could be anything. It could be a lesson learned. It could be a failure. It could be a home run. Um, you as a kid or you with a kid, I will get a kick out of reading those with Jackson. And yep. I'm happy to do that. So here are the nuts and bolts. Um, you know, again, if this gets somebody to a better place in any way, even with just a conversation, then we're we're thrilled. That's a success. That's a win for Mailbox Money Show. We are happy though to provide a trusted, fully guided tour for anybody that wants that. Also, I'll just speak for myself. I have my kids' account set up in my name with my wife. It's in our names. So the exact same three-pronged system that Jackson and I use for all of our families, safe money, sacred money, speculative money. Can't have one without the other, and it's got to be in some sort of balance. Applies here too. So safe money, I don't care how close they are to college, um, but it's either cash or a tax-free bond. And people talk about 529s, different structures, and there'll be another one. Some other congressman will put his name to it to try to, um, and that, that's, that's when you know it probably won't last, when it's not really about anybody, but all these different types of accounts that I've grown up with my career, nothing's ever been tax friendlier than tax free. Yeah. If I put it in my name, not the kid's name, it's a huge advantage when it does come time for college aid or scholarships. That's a, that's a big hint for young families. They may change plans. If you maintain control all the way, then you can gift it to them or spend it on them. I just have each one of those nicknamed with my kid's name next to it, but it's not in their name. It's not a kid's account. Sacred money, rising dividends at any age is sacred money. And then any version, no minimum, of some speculation that might be meaningful enough to them to want to be involved just a little bit. 
but it's that simple and it's not for simple sake. This is not kitty stuff. That same approach I use for the most sophisticated investors for 25 years. For $100 or $100 million. The simplicity though that you're starting the kids kind of force on you is actually the holy grail of investing for us parents. Instead of being so anxious and trying to put, how do I save for college? Um, I would say, as we said, step one, pay yourself first, focus on your craft. That's gonna be the longest lasting lesson for your kids, number one. And then when you do start investing, if you keep it with deeply informed simplicity, you have to be able to hold yourself to this. You have to be able to go to the supper table and say, I've always said, if you can't explain it to your spouse, it shouldn't be in your house. That's a pretty good investment filter right there. So those yeah. same simple principles for a kid work just as well for us big kids. I love it. And one of the things that I do want to shout out, you know, some of our, our partners, but technology, it used to be my first stock I bought, I had to have enough money for one share. And the only way I could do it was figure out to give my grandpa my cash money and then he would somehow go put it in his brokerage account. Now that I think about it, I think he's still got my stock. Um, but the technology platforms and the partners that we've handpicked um, allow you to invest a dollar, right? You don't have to have enough for a full share. There's a, you know, you don't have to save up $300 to buy your favorite, you know, speculative stock anymore. You can put as much money as you have, $100 or $100 million. So I think that it's never been easier Technology makes this cheaper, more affordable, quicker. It's so much fun to just pull up the phone and show, hey, this is what your portfolio has done this quarter, you know, with a kid and have that conversation. You don't have to track the stock prices in the newspaper anymore, which is what I used to do. And, uh, you know, it, I guess that was kind of fun, but it's a lot easier and there's really no roadblock to doing this. And it, it's just so important and timeless and powerful and effective. And I love it. I think it's great. Hey, I, I'm, I was thrilled and we'll do more of these, but investing with your kids instead of for them, as you can tell, is one of our favorite topics that is most long lasting. Um, and if we can help in any way, we're thrilled. Yep. We're going to be an open source, open notebook. You're going to see everything that we do and you're more than welcome to shoot us an email team at freedom day solutions we will answer any question that comes in leave a comment below if you like the show you can subscribe if you share it that's obviously beneficial for us and like i said send your best story about investing with kids or you as a kid and you will get a copy of the book and if you want a guided tour through what we love doing and what we do for people all over the country please visit the website and let us know we would be happy and grateful to work for you this show is brought to you by Freedom Day Solutions, LLC, a registered investment advisory firm advising individuals and families nationwide. Performance is not guaranteed and past results are not necessarily indicative of future performance. To learn more, visit freedomdaysolutions.com. This show contains general information that is not suitable for everyone and was shared for informational purposes only. Any forward-looking statement or opinion expressed is subject to change without notice. Nothing contained herein constitutes investment, legal, tax, or other advice nor is it to be relied on in making investment or other decisions. Clients of Freedom Day Solutions may hold positions in the securities discussed.